0: for your leadership this morning. We're going to open our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3 and read there in just a moment. Um, and, and I'm going to take us into a place where, you know, I, I, uh, some texts just flow and they just are easy and they're easy to hear, they're easy to speak. And then there are some places where you come and, and you've got to work a little bit. You have got to labor. Um, that has certainly been so for me in the text that we're in today, in 2 Peter chapter three. It's going to be so for you in just a moment as you're listening, because you're going to have to work. Uh, I think there's uh, there's some important things to hear in this. We're in a series. We're talking about heaven. You know, it's happened. I'm sure it's happened to you at some point where you have uh, maybe done a remodeling project at your house or you got another house, got a new house, built a new house, whatever, and then three months later, the roof's leaking or, you know, the thing that you fixed in the bathroom is broken again or, you know, and you just go, you know, (sighs) there's something wrong with this world. Nothing's permanent. Nothing really works. You know, you just can't You just can't get to the place where you can just put your feet down and go, okay, I'm home now. This is okay. Everything's breaking down. Everything's changing around us. You know, uh, world leaders are rattling their sabers and threatening, you know, with, with nuclear weapons. And we're just going, this world, oh, the old song is not my home. I'm just passing through. Well, that song is partly right, partly wrong. And I want to talk about that today for just a few moments. I want to talk about the home that God is preparing for us where there's not going to be leaks. There's not going to be things breaking down. Uh, there's not going to be warfare. There's not going to be sin. There's not going to be illness. There's not going to be death. None of that in the world that God's creating. Let me correct the old Southern Gospel song. I, mean, I love it and I've sung it, this world is your home, but not the way it is right now. And that's one thing that I want to kind of turn on its head today. How we think about our permanent home, that place where we never have to leave that place where those we love are around us, that place that's familiar, that place that's home. That's what we all long for, that's what we all want. There's something in every person that's looking for that. And maybe you lost that a long time ago and you've never found it, and, and maybe the way things are in the world right now, you won't find it here. But God's gonna create a home. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, a, a home for you. Not a nursing home. <laughs> a home. A place where you can go, okay, yes, everything's right. You ever have those days you just think, well, I just, wish, I just wish I could look at something and go, well, at least that's right. But sometimes it's hard to find anything in this world that you can say that about. And it's getting more and more difficult to do that. Well, I want to take us into a, a, an, an area in the Bible we don't get to very often. Uh, 2 Peter's kind of a sequel letter. You know, sequels don't always, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, the, the original is usually really good. Uh, how many of you saw the first Jaws, you know, when it came out back in the 70s? Afraid to get in the water, right? Saw Jaws 2, were you still afraid to get in the water? No, you know, Jaws 2 didn't do it, Jaws 5 didn't do it. Made you maybe afraid to go in the movie theater, but not in, in the, the ocean. Um, sequels sometimes don't live up to the original, but that's not true in Scripture. Second Peter is, is a powerful follow up to First Peter. Uh, it's, it's the same but different, it's addressing Christians that are living as aliens in a world that is becoming increasingly hostile to what they believe and it gives us direction on how do we live in that kind of world? How are we supposed to live when it seems like everything in the the world is turning against us? And maybe that's true for you personally, maybe that's true for you as a Christian, but that's kind of where we wanna go today and I wanna get us home. I wanna get us to the place in this series, this is what we're working through and we're gonna finish it after Easter, but I wanna get us home, I wanna get us to a place where we go, oh, I know where I'm going now. I know where I'm going. I know what it looks like. I know what to expect when I get there. See, right now, it's kind of hard to talk about. You know, We talk about heaven as we, t- we say, well, uh, so-and-so, well, they passed away. They went home. Really? Now, I don't know about you. I've never been to heaven. Have you been? Maybe some of you have, but you should be preaching this series. But I've never been, never seen it personally, never visited there. Uh, never had a moment, out-of-body experience kind of thing like Paul did where he went. Never had that. Heaven doesn't feel familiar to me. Now, I know Jesus is there, but it just doesn't feel familiar to me. And home, is supposed to feel familiar. It's supposed to smell familiar. It's supposed to just, boy, you come in and you go, ah, I'm home. Sit down at the table and eat mom's favorite recipes, you know. That's home. But that's not heaven. And you know why? Because you weren't made for heaven. So, pastor, you just took the big thing away from us. Let me come back and I'll put it back in place. But that's what we're looking at today. What is our home? What, is, what, are, we, what are we moving toward? Now, before we get there, there we're, we're going to have to go through a little bit of bad road, uh, some miles of, of, of tough time. And, and this is where Peter's being really honest with us today as Christians. So let's start reading in chapter three, verse one. Peter said, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets, the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your prophets, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise Of his coming for ever since the fathers fell asleep all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation for they've deliberately overlook this fact the heavens existed long ago the earth was formed out of water and through water by the Word of God And that by means of those, the water and the word, by means of those, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. That's a reference to Noah's day and the flood. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn but according to his promise we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells All right, let's pray for a moment Father we need your wisdom and your help and your spirit to guide us into truth we can't read this and understand it on our own We can't read this like a novel or a history book or a science textbook and make sense of it. Your Spirit needs to teach us and guide us, and you promised that you would. And so, Father, today we ask that we would be open to your leadership, that our eyes would be open, that our hearts would be stirred, that our minds would be called to remember, and, Lord, that we would anticipate with joy the new heavens. And the new earth that you have promised is coming. Prepare our hearts and our lives for that today. let take us one step closer to it, we pray. In Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. amen. All right, so let's go to work. Three things. When you read 2 Peter, if you study it on your own, which you should, you study 2 Peter, remember this, you're dealing with three interweaving words that, that come several places throughout 1 Peter. First of all, we're dealing with warnings. There's a warning. Second of all, you're dealing with reminders. And third, you're dealing with promises. All right, those are the three things. Warnings, reminders, and promises. 3 It's like a three-strand cord. They're tied together. They interweave with each other, and they go throughout the book of 2 Peter. So everything you're reading is either a warning, a reminder, or a promise. So the outline today, just simply this. I want to talk about a warning. I want to talk about a a reminder. And then I want to talk about the promise. So let me get through the warning and the reminder part uh, as quickly as we can. And then we'll, we'll, we'll try to land a little bit longer on the promise piece. But we'll see how time goes as we go. So first of all, a warning. There's a warning. Peter says, listen. There are people who are saying, they're saying it today. They said it. 2,000 years ago. Okay, Peter, you, you talk, you've talked about this second coming of Jesus. Where is it? Where is it? The people in Peter's day, the false teachers in Peter's day, were teaching that Jesus had already come. It was a spiritual return. Jesus had already come, and there's not going to be a physical return of Jesus. But Peter was standing on the hill outside of Galilee after Jesus had been resurrected on the third day, physically walked on the earth for 40 days, and then at the end of that time stood on the, on the Mount of Ascension. As he stood there, he was taken up into heaven in front of them. They were watching as this happened. And then an angel spoke and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus... You saw taken from you will come again in the same way. Now, they were standing. Jesus was just teaching, just like he'd done a, a lot of other times. And they're listening. The was resurrected. Listen, somebody comes out of a grave, and they come and say, I want to lead a Bible study. You know what? You show up, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I'd like to hear what you have to say. So they're, they're all there, and they're listening, and then suddenly he just starts going up. I mean, first you kind of go, whoa, 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 whoa. what's happening? And it just goes up until they couldn't see him anymore. And then the angel said he's going to come back in the same way. It's going to be unexpected. It's going to be physical. Jesus' return is not going to be spiritual. It's going to be a physical, bodily return. That's a huge thing to hang on to. But the scoffers were saying, "No, no, 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 that's not going to happen. What you're talking about, Peter, you're you know, you're crazy. You you're you're remembering wrong. You know, you 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 this the, the way the world works. This is the way and these were the scientists of their day saying, "Listen, this is the way the world works. The world was created. It's gone on like it's always been since the creation began, since the beginning of time, and then one day it's just going to kind of stop." Where's this promise of his coming? And Peter said, Ah, you forget something. You forget that there was this moment when God said it now I I now repent in my inside of myself for creating man. Things had gotten so bad. And he wiped out the earth with a flood. The people of the day never saw it coming. Although Noah had warned them for 120 years, the flood's coming. God's going to cleanse the earth. He's going to cleanse the earth of you if you're living in a life that's not pleasing to him. And he did it. Peter said they forget that God did that once through the water and the word He spoke the world into existence. He spoke a flood into existence. And one day, Peter said, he's going to speak fire into existence. It's going to burn this planet and the universe. And that's what the warning is. And it's going to be an unexpected thing. It's not going to be, you know, we're not going to get a text message ahead of time. Any more than you do when a thief breaks into your house or tries to steal your car and says, hey, I'm going to come tomorrow night about 7 o'clock and try to break in your house. You just don't hear that, right? A thief doesn't announce, a thief shows up. So Peter said, the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. Well, When do you get ready for a thief to come? Well, you better just stay ready because you don't know when the thief's going to come, right? So the warning is stay ready. There's a day coming and it's gonna be cataclysmic and it's gonna to be total. We don't get this. You know why we don't get it? Because we don't hear this message as an urgent message. How many of you have ever sat in an airplane on the tarmac or you're sitting waiting, you're ready to take off, you're ready to get to your destination, visit family or go to a business trip, whatever, and, and you're ready to go and then what happens? Then the flight attendant comes on. In case the plane starts falling, this will say, you know. you know. What do you do when that happens? Come on, what do most of you do? you oh, well, let me listen. This is so interesting. No. You go, uh, turn up my headphones. Block it out. Put my hands on. You know, you just don't want to hear it. You just don't want to hear it. But let's change the scenario just a little bit. The captain's just come on the intercom and said, ladies and gentlemen, we have a bit of a problem. We have lost the right engine on our plane. And the plane is very quickly going to begin to make a descent, followed by a very rough landing. The flight attendant now has a word for you. And now the flight attendant comes on and reads the very same message, the very same words, the very same voice, but you're taking notes this time, aren't you? What, what did she say about this thing falling down again? What's this, you know, where's my cushion? Now, what's the difference? Now it's urgent. You know what we lose when we think about the coming of Christ? The urgency. We know the words. We know the, we know the, we know the outline. We know what's going to happen. Where's the urgency. I'll be honest with you. I've preached for 41, 42 years now. And when I preached on the second coming of Christ 40 years ago, I did it a lot more urgently than I do right now. What happened in the meantime? Life. And you just go through, you just drone through life. Life. You just move through every day is the same day, over and over again. And we forget the urgency, don't we? How many of you would have to admit, you know, there was a day that you took this a lot more seriously than you do today? I just admitted it to you as your pastor. I know what happens to us. And just like Peter said, what happens? We forget. So that's the second thing. We need a reminder. We need a reminder. Peter said, we forget what God has already done. We forget what God has already said. We forget. We, just, we just, It's there. We just can't find it. We don't, it just isn't something that meets us every day as an urgent thing. So Peter's trying to push this up into your brain at a place where it's going to be a little, bit, a little bit more urgent for you to deal with. Because, you know, the the, the reality is, folks, and here's what we don't believe, the plane is going down. All you got to do is look out the window, and you see that. The plane's going down. The world's getting worse. We don't want to talk about things like judgment and the wrath of God being poured out on the world. Oh, why do we have to think about that? It's such a terrible thing. And you know, and and I've had people tell me, well, listen, if God, if God judges, if God's a judge, if God judges me for my lifestyle, if God, if if God's going to burn me up because of the way I live, I can't really worship a God like that. Let me let me ask you. Let me let me let me change the screen for a second. This past week, our, our community went through a horrific thing again. As the headlines around the nation and probably around the world uh, were focused on the trial of a 14 year old young man named Aiden Pucci. Aiden has recently, in the past couple of months, confessed to, admitted to killing Tristan Bailey, a classmate, for no reason that he could think of. Just. So, since he confessed to the crime, all that was left was for the judge to sentence him. And the judge did. And they sentenced him to life in prison. What was interesting were the remarks and comments that people made about that. What a horrible thing to put a 14 year old boy in jail for the rest of his life. He's just 14. So let's imagine for a moment a judge, a different judge, looked at this case and said, okay, listen, the young man's 14. A 14 year old, your brain's not even developed, you know? He didn't know what he was doing. So here's what I'm gonna recommend. I'm gonna recommend that his parents bring him home, ground him for three months. Take his cell phone away from him. Don't let him play video games. Give him a stern talking to. And don't let this happen again. Let me ask you this. How quickly would you want that judge dismissed? How many letters would you write to make sure we don't want a judge like that sitting on a bench? Why not? Because we knew justice was required in this. It was horrible to have to do it. It was horrible for this judge to have to do this and make this kind of decision. But how could he not? I mean, the lives of two families have been completely destroyed. our hearts are broken for them. It's tragic. It's horrific. But we would judge a judge who didn't give justice in this scenario. Why do we judge God for doing the same thing? Why do we look at God and say, God, you don't have a right to judge the world. He doesn't. Could he be God if he didn't? Yeah, God's going to judge. Yes, God is going to bring fire to this world. What did God save you from when you became a Christian? What did he save you from? He didn't save you from a bad self-esteem or a, a lack of, a lack of you know, peace of mind. He didn't save you. From, he saved you from the wrath of God that was going to come to this earth. Well, we don't believe in such a, oh, wrath, you know. No, God's a God of wrath, or he's not God. Now, the good news is he's also a God of patience, and he's a God of mercy and grace, and he wants every person to come to repentance. That's what it says. He wants every, God's not just being slow. God's not just being negligent. God is a God who wants every person. He created you in his image. He doesn't want you to be away from him for eternity. He wants every person to be with him, and he has provided a way for every person to be with him through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll come. God's patient right now. He's waiting. He's waiting. But he won't always wait. There will come a day that God will say, that's enough. And the fire will fall. The day of the Lord will come. This is what Peter said. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens pass away and the earth passes away. The same way the flood came, fire will come. Not to destroy the whole world. Not to, not to eliminate the world, but to dissolve the evil that is in the world, to dissolve the things that have been polluted by sin. And the Bible tells us in Romans eight twenty two that all creation groans together. The pains of childbirth, waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. All of creation is affected. Everything God made has been tainted by Sin, the radioactive fallout of sin has touched everything in creation. And God is going to scrape it away and purify it and dissolve it and reveal the evil and deal with that evil that it's revealed because evil hides, doesn't it? And he'll reveal it and then take it out of the way and then the last thing will come to pass, the promise. There will come a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, it's really important that we get this, folks. This is where I'm going to turn your thinking upside down. And again, I hope you're hearing. I have, I have very, a very personal investment in this study. Not just because I'm getting older. I'm going, it won't be long. I'll be seeing some of this for sure one way or the other. But not, not that. I have family there. I, I, I like to know. What's go- How about you? How about some of you that may be closer to being there? Kind of like to know. What's, what, are we, what are we looking at? What are we, what are we looking for? What's going to happen when this comes to pass? How's this going to work out? And that's what the Bible tells us very clearly. When Peter says... Since all of these things are going to be dissolved, this, this earth, this earth, this world, just like the flood came not to, not to take the world out of the way, but to take the evil out of the world, fire's going to come this time to purify and purge everything. But the world's still going to be here. This place, this, this, this uh, latitude, longitude, this geographic location you're standing on right now, sitting on right now, Uh, Your pew's not going to be here. This building's not going to be here. This body that you're in right now is not going to be here. It's going to be a resurrected body, a purified body. But hear me, hear me, hear me, please. Heaven is a physical place. It's not a floating, you know, Outer space ride up there. It's It's not up there. It's down here. And this is what we really get wrong, folks. This is what we really get wrong. I think it's strange we talk about heaven as home when in reality nothing about heaven is familiar to us. And home means everything's familiar. Home means I know where the light switches are. I know where the Oreo cookies are hidden. I know these things because it's home. Heaven, it's not home. I think, well, it's home because Jesus is there. Well, you're going to be with Jesus if you die, right? And if you die before all this happens, and some of us will, if you die before all this happens, you're going to go be with Jesus. This is what Jesus told the thief on the cross. When he died, he said, today you will be with me in heaven, right? No, he didn't say that. Today you will be with me In paradise. Why not? Here's the the thing. Because you and the thief and the cross are going to go to heaven at the same time. Wait a minute. I thought he died. He did. But he's not going to beat you to heaven. Every Christian is going to walk onto the streets of gold in heaven at the very same time. Here's what's going to happen. The Bible told us already, we read this in Revelation, that heaven, that, that the new Jerusalem, that the capital of heaven, if you would, is going to come down from heaven onto the earth. Why is that? Because God's going to live with us on this new earth. This is why it has to be purified. This is why it has to be filled with righteousness. God can't abide sin. God will not, not, he will not walk and live in the presence of sin. So he's taking the sin out of the way so he can live with us. And you get a resurrected body, you get a new body, just like Jesus' body. You can walk through walls. You can eat fish or McDonald's hamburger, Whatever, is going to be in heaven. I don't know. You can eat, and it doesn't like fall to the ground because you're a ghost. You're not a ghost. You're a body, a perfect body, a sinless body, a death-free body, an age-free body, a disease-free body. You get all that. Why? Because God loves you. He's good to you. He created you. He said, you're beautiful. He's going to bring that to pass in heaven. Stop worrying about how you look right now. It doesn't matter. It's all temporary. He's going to fix it all one day. And you get to live in this perfect place, in a perfect body, with a perfect Savior forever. The dwelling of God will be with man. The new heavens, I'm, I'm, you know, here we go again. This is the same phrase we find in the book of Revelation. Peter said, but according to his promise, verse 13, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's what's coming. That's what's coming. When? Well, I don't know, any time. Thief in the night, you don't know. The Bible doesn't put a date. I know some of you guys have. You can open your Bible up and pull out a three-foot-long chart and graph. This is what's going to happen. No, it probably isn't going to happen that way. But something's going to happen. A cataclysmic thing first. I can't imagine what kind of fire this is going to take to burn everything. Putin and Xi and Kim Jong-un could not provide enough firepower to do everything that this is talking about. God's going to do this. God's going to speak this into existence, and when it happens, it's going to be total. But when it's done, he said, I'm going to make all things new. You get a new Eden, this is gonna be new Eden, this is gonna be Eden the way God intended it to be. And listen, it has to be this way because if, if he just blew everything out of the way and just said, well, I'm gonna start with a blank piece of paper here, a blank canvas, a blank slate, then Satan would have won. He said, no, I'm gonna take what I put here and I'm gonna make it new. I'm going to make it the way I meant it to be at the beginning. I wanted it to be. And then sin entered and messed it all up. Now sin is out of the way. God's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And listen, if you're a believer today and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, well you got a standing, you're, you're, you're invited. You get to be a part of that. And it's very simple. If you don't believe, you're not invited, not now. But God is patient. God is waiting. God wants you to come. Well, I need to clean something up. No, you don't. I need to promise to quit. No, you don't. I need to stop doing that. No, you don't. You just need to come as you are because you want a home. I want to be a part of that home that God's going to make for us. And it's coming, folks. The word promises. Let's pray. Well, Father, you have your way, I pray, in our hearts this morning as we, uh, again, I know this is a difficult text to deal with, a lot of thoughts that challenge the way we normally think about things. But we know you have promised us a new heaven, a new earth, a new beginning, an Eden that's gonna fill the whole planet, not just a garden. The whole universe will be purified, no longer groaning under the strain of sin. Father, I pray that, that if there are those in this room today who could not say, with confidence i know that's my home i know that's where i'm going i know that's what's coming i know that i will escape the wrath of god to come because i've trusted jesus christ who died in my place and bore the wrath of god for me and i pray today father that if there are those who have never placed their trust in their faith in jesus that this will be the day that they say yes to him for we ask this in his name amen let's stand together